No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. We are talking to to a tag team, if you will, of Joseph Illich, who is a fantastic editor, has worked on several things you might have uh, known, uh, no, no least of which have been Batman and Dude, he's worked on and, everything. And and this this heavy metal magazine thing he's doing right now with another legendary guy who you might know, Christopher Priest, yeah. who is currently writing Black Adam. And also has written legendary Black Panther runs, Dude, and I mean, and now he's doing this thing over at Heavy Metal that that they brought to the Word Bros and said, "Hey, we want to we want to talk to the Word Bros about entropy." Yeah, we're really excited to have uh, both of these gentlemen on. They are, I mean, heavy hitters in the industry. I mean, icons. Yes, yes, icons is the word. So let's get right to them. This is a lengthy interview. We had a lot of fun talking to them. We'd love for you guys to hear it. So uh, let's check out Joseph Illage and Christopher Priest. Right now we're talking to Joseph Illich and Christopher Priest, but we're not talking about their new book from Heavy Metal. Nay, I say. We're talking about the TV show uh, Fast Lane, which starring Bill Bellamy, uh, Peter Faselli, and Tiffany Thiessen. This was this show kind of came about along the um, Fast and the Furious, right? Like this was kind of a mix of the two, yes? That's right. That's right. And the thing that I really liked about the show is that it had a mythology to it. The show had layers. I wish to God I had a copy of the series Bible. <laughs> as the stories went on, the layers started revealing itself. And I was like, oh, there's actually some thought to this show. I was like, okay, I can dig it. So, you know, even though it was kind of like junk food popcorn and they were inspired by John Woo, and at one point Bill Bellamy ran up car while it was moving shot at some guys and ran down the back of the car i was like okay i'm gonna accept this defiance of physics because there's actually a story behind this and for those of you who don't remember uh jay moore was on this show for a little while he had a recurring role big wow. boy big boy we all love big boy from uh, outcast, outcast yeah. um uh Bill Duke, everybody loves Bill Duke. Oh I my mean, God! Well, uh, well, well, Bill Duke is a deity, right? Yeah, I so. mean, c- come on, his his role in Predator is by far every every shot with Bill Duke. Is he steals every scene he's in in that movie? <laughs> the man does not have to speak. No. His mere presence. Yes, he's wonderful, right? Bill, Bill Duke. Not dissimilar. Not dissimilar to Priest, by the way. It's oh, true. That's true. a nice segue. That is a good segue. Exactly. Joe, you could just host the podcast. I'm going to go upstairs no, and play with my no. kids. That was a that was a quality segue. Dude. It was. It was good. He just just like priest. It was so good. I had to call it out. Yeah. Hey, listen. You know, I got I got to call reality like it is. 
And we, and we are joined today by two, I mean, legends in the field. Joseph Illich is a, is a world-renowned editor. Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. He's edited books all over the spectrum, all over the place. You know his name. You know his work. And, and today, we're also joined, too, by Christopher Priest, who, again, I would be, I would safe to say, Chris, uh, can I call you? No, you like Priest. I would say, safe to say, Priest, that you are the closest we've ever had to, like, comic royalty on this podcast. Truth. That's that's very sad. I I'm, I'm very <laughs> very sorry for you. Uh, you know, every, every time I pick up a book and I I, I, turn, I flip it over in the back and it says you know legendary writer Christopher Priest, I go you know that's so sad. You know because uh, you know when they start calling you legendary, that that that's a slang for you know here's a guy we all grew up reading, but we don't call him for work for jobs anymore. <laughs> yeah, this the uh, man who's writing Black Adam. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is why but, this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I'm I'm a glass half full. I'm sorry, a glass half empty kind of guy. So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot to get me excited, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but hello, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate being here and and uh, this close to my bedtime. So I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I mean that's not. I'm, I'm just joking. That's fine. I'm I an old get... guy. I, I get up at the crack of dawn. Because it, it it gets incredibly hot here, and uh, uh, very early. So I, if I'm going to get out on my bike or get out, get out and get some exercise, I need to hit the street right about 6:30 a.m. Right when the sun is coming up, because uh, right about 8 o'clock, 8:30, it's over and you can't move. It's just un- unbearably hot. Now, so, when you say here, where are you exactly? I was going to ask that. I'm in an undisclosed location. Oh, I like it. You're so you're like you're like a super villain who's broadcasting live from like uh, George Washington's head in, well, that's, uh, in Mount Rushmore or something like that. That's I'm what he forgot to that. mention with the legendary. That's what he forgot to mention. Yeah, with legendary yeah. comes like anonymity now. Like he can <laughs> he can have a secret bunker and a secret lair and all those things that legend that comes with legendary. That's it. Yes, I have Colorado plates on my car, but I am in a secret bunker at the okay. moment. Yes. Okay. Great. Yes, because the man is the house. I mean, somebody's Absolutely. somebody's got to be. Someone's got to be. Now, now, where do you keep your milk jugs of urine? Is what I wanted. That's my first ah, question. If you're the yes. Howard Hughes of comics, where do you keep the urine? Is what I'm asking. Yes. You know, as scary as that is, I, I just had to do some uh, medical tests where they actually gave me a jug. You know, and uh, there's nothing more unpleasant than spending 24 hours filling up a jug of urine. You know? <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. And you have to keep it in the refrigerator. I don't know uh, why. Oh, what? what? They, want your, they want your pee cold. I don't know why that is. We have three know? kids here. Someone would drink that. That would be <laughs> <laughs> a very colorful jug, too. It's a pink a bright pink jug. That you know, makes so, it even yeah. trickier because that's the color of the Kool-Aid jug when we were growing <laughs> exactly. up. So, I mean, like, you're sending all kinds of mixed messages, priest. Exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, this, is, this is the best start off to an interview I've ever been involved in. Well, thank you, <laughs> Joseph. We try very hard. We try very hard. I like, again, we range many topics 2002 TV shows to jugs full of urine. I mean, that basically covers everything you need to know about comics. Only here, folks. Yes, only yes. here. So so you guys have teamed up to do this new book with Heavy Metal. Yes, this, this super duo of Joseph Illich and Christopher Priest have combined forces. Is this the first time you guys have ever worked together? Because somewhere along the line, you guys have had to cross paths, no? Oh, we've crossed... 
Yeah, well, sure. Go ahead, Joseph. You tell the story, please. I want well, to uh, well, I, I, I will tell part of the story. Uh, I was invited uh, by Joseph uh, out to a writer's retreat uh, for the Lion Forge when Joseph was developing the Catalyst Prime uh, line of comics. So Joseph is no, no stranger to universe building. Um, and, uh, and that's where I met a lot of people that, uh, uh, and have formed lasting relationships with many, if not most of the people that were in that room. Um, uh, and, uh, and also that was, uh, my first abject lesson in, in travel, like rule number one is bring more than one credit card, uh, <laughs> because I was, we were checking into the hotel and, uh, uh, I was kind of a one-off while everybody else was kind of, uh, I wasn't, I didn't have a Catalyst Prime book. I was just a consultant. I was a fly on the wall. So this group had this group booking and I was kind of a one-off and I went up to the the counter lady there and I gave her my credit card and I said, you know, put my, my room, put my room on this credit card. And she misunderstood me. She put everybody's room on my credit oh, card. Wow. Oh, wow. No. Uh, ran up, you know, uh, so put me over the limit. Ooh, uh, uh, and, um, and, and, and when I went to her, I said, look, you've got to avoid this. Instead of <laughs> avoiding it, she uh, uh, put in for a reversal or a refund, something that would take three days. Okay, okay. so now I'm in L.A. I've got no money. I've got I can't move. I can't rent a car. I can't do anything. I, you know, uh, uh, and uh, uh, it was it was a it, it was an unforgettable summit meeting. And that's my first working experience with Mr. Illich. That is insane. So she, she thought by that is. Well, I was stupid enough to just hand her my credit card when there was a whole bunch of people in the lobby. And I guess she misunderstood me and just rang everybody up. You know, what made, what made her think you had it like that? Were you wearing her fur coat? Were there people in front of you throwing rose petals on the ground? Like Uh, what what made you, what made her think that, that you had I'm I'm sure, I'm sure she just didn't think, but it's that simple (laughs) that, that if you push the wrong button, you'll max out somebody's credit card, you know? And I went, I should have brought, you know, you know, a backup credit card, but I, I, I didn't think I would need it. I was just in town for a couple of days, but now I'm in town for a couple of days and can't go anywhere and can't do anything. And none of these other people on the retreat were like, Hey, I heard what happened. Let me buy you a meal. Let oh, me no, no. I mean, the, the lion for no, the lion forge people <laughs> were great. They went out of their way to, you know, to, to do whatever they needed to do. But uh, I had other business, like I was oh, okay, out in okay, LA. Okay, okay. So whenever I'm out in LA, I must visit Dennis Cowan. Uh, I must go see uh, Reginald Hudlin uh, and Michael Davis and, and other people that, you know, there's just things I need to do. Yes, and, and I had other business to, to, to transact and, and meetings to attend and stuff like that. And it became very difficult. I ended up crashing on a friend's couch, you know, for, <laughs> for the weekend. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of crazy, but at any rate, I was, I was in that meeting with them uh, for a couple of days at the hotel uh, and Joseph had put all this paper up on the wall and he's drawing on the wall and he's, he's masterminding, putting this universe together. So, you know, you skip ahead a bunch of years, uh, and he lands at, uh, at heavy metal, uh, and he's been tasked with doing that again. So heavy metal is, is now, uh, in the process of, of, uh, not just world building, but multiverse building. Um, and, and Joseph is instrumental in sort of taking that Bible and refining it and, and, and building it and putting it up, up, up on his feet. Um, and, uh, uh, he called me for this particular character. So 
having had that experience, you know, as long as we don't have to check into a hotel, I was fine. You know? <laughs> um, and, I, I made uh, sure that was out of the equation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, 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 heavy metal took me out to uh, to 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 uh, wonder wonder con. Uh, and I, I didn't have to take my card out of the wallet. I mean, I mean, just every parking, uh, car rental, Ubers. I, I just it, it was it was the anti, you know, Lion Forge experience. And, and, and uh, uh, so it was like it was like karma was trying to correct itself there. That's nice. I mean, it's, awesome. good. it's good to hear that things turn themselves around. And I'm sure Joseph made sure that all happened. He's like, look, we had this bad experience this one time. Uh, he, he got he got railroaded on this credit card thing. So please, oh, yeah. we got it all taken care of. Let's 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 make this happen for him this time. You better believe there were behind the scenes conversations about the conditions that we must create so that police will be happy, right? A happy mind is a fertile mind. Now, now you're joking around about that, but do you find that's the case, Joseph, when you're dealing with some of some of the artists, some of the writers that you do have to kind of keep all other things out of out of sight, out of mind to keep them focused on the task at hand? So, I mean, I think there has to be empathy right so as an editor part of it is you know you're a human being you're not a cog i know you're going through things if my spider sense is tingling on someone i'll reach out to them and be like hey how you doing what's going on right um you know we can't escape chaos and depending upon the individual some people actually feed off of that yes so i think it's just really about communication and it's about empathy and it's about, you know, we've got to talk for a few minutes and it has nothing to do with story, but we just have to have a conversation. Let's do that. Interesting. It's all the all the many facets of being an editor. You have to be like a like a like a psychiatrist almost. You have to kind of read people and situations. It's very you wouldn't think that's something that that's part of the job, but it, look, we're all oh, learning well, it, things here it, on the word bros. Well, in comics, I always thought that the title editor was always a misnomer, that that uh, comic books is such an odd industry. And originally they were called editors because they didn't know what else to call them, you know, and <laughs> they kind of likened it to sort of, you know, well, it's a print media, so I guess you're an editor. Um, uh, what, what comic book editors do is they are producers. Uh, they are given a franchise. I was in charge of, at one point in my life, I was in charge of, of all things Spider-Man. So my I had responsibility for that franchise, and 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 uh, I I would have to you know assemble the creative teams and supervise all that stuff and and and, and guide the direction of the character, um, and uh, and keep Jim Shooter out of my office. That was that was my main job was just to keep the boss from sticking his head in and yelling at you, you know. Um, so it's so much more. Editing is certainly part of the job. But that's the really the smallest part of the job. There's just a lot of uh, uh, talent management um, and creative uh, direction and creative crafting. Uh, so uh, these men and women that are working in the industry, uh, uh, these people really are producers because they are handed, in many cases, you know, you know, if I, if if I'm do, if I'm working on a novel and I've written a few novels where you know, I'm working with an editor and that's a whole different story. It's me and the editor and that's it, you know, but if you are given this franchise, the, you know, you are in charge of the legion of superheroes, um, then your job is to be a producer 
and editing is part of the of, of, of the producer's responsibility. But uh, he is he or she uh, or they uh, are so much more than uh, just being an editor. So interesting to learn all how the sausage is made, if you will, like to get behind the scenes and hear everything that's happening. And you guys, I mean, both of you have like illustrious and fantastic careers and you've teamed up again to work on this book for heavy metal called uh, Entropy. Am I pronouncing that right? Entropy? Entropy. 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 There you go. So you guys are, you're creating this whole new world, this whole new universe. As you even said, Priest, you're creating like a multiverse here. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the pieces it, at play here with this new project. You know, it really starts with, so our publisher and chief creative overlord, David Irwin, who came from Warner Brothers and Hasbro, basically building out um, the DC Universe franchise department, and he was running the Hasbro characters, um, definitely the Transformers office. When he came to Heavy Metal with the CEO, Matthew Mitchell, and he wanted to reinvigorate the company, and they brought me in, one of the things that we discussed was Tarna. And Tarna was a character well-known from the 1981 animated film. She was kind of like Clint Eastwood's man with no name, except it was a woman with a sword who wrote a pterodactyl and killed people mercilessly, right? And so we really wanted to build on that, but expand for the new heavy metal, making Tarna the company's flagship character. And you're talking about a time in which there are so many you know, women characters you can connect one to any given company. For DC Comics, it's Wonder Woman. For Dynamite, it's Red Sonia. And so, you know, when you're creating characters, the more individual they are, the more you can lean into what's unique about them. So David basically came up with an idea of how the heavy metal multiverse works, a very general idea. Okay. And launched the Tarnas series based upon this character being a cosmic deity. And then what happened is I had a conversation with Bill Matthew Medley and he was like, okay, we need uh, a yin to the yang. If Tarna is this multiversal force, what is the opposite number to Tarna on a scale that you know they can clash against one another for millions of millions of years. And so when we were talking about that and who would be the right person to really realize that idea in a series, Priest was the first person that I thought of. And that was in part because, you know, when you look at a lot of universes and characters these days, you come across a lot of the same stories and ideas and it gets boring fast right and heavy metal is supposed to be dangerous and uncomfortable and it's supposed to make your brain melt and it's supposed to challenge your thinking right so that was one thing and priest is a thinker he goes to the places that most writers will not tread when it comes to character right that was one and then, interestingly enough, 
usually when you talk to people about priests and you say Black Panther, that's automatic street cred. But for us, it was Deathstroke. Because uh, okay. to write a super villain book and explain, rationalize, and make it make sense how Deathstroke can survive and thrive in a world with a Kryptonian, the world's greatest and richest detective, and a group of people who have the technology to break the planet in half in five hours, that takes a lot of thinking. And so we were like, okay. This is it, right? So, you know, Priest and I started talking about it, and it was like, okay, it was really building from the bottom to the top. And I'll let him speak further to that, but that was really the origin of the multiverse and kind of like how we, you know, came to him and invited him to heavy metal. Okay, so so priest, tell us your role in all this. After that, that I mean, that was a hell of an intro for you to come in and just swoop on in and write this 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 arch villain. Uh, well, yeah, the, on my end, there was a lot of, huh, and <laughs> what, and why is she riding a pterodactyl? What is this? What? What's going on here, you know? And uh, 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 you know, and, he, and 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 I'm reading the, this Bible, and there there are these uh, all these different realms, and they're all bound together by this thing, and you know, this thing, and this other thing, and uh, they have all these meridiums, uh, meridium. I don't know how to pronounce it, but they have these avatars that that represent different different universes and these properties, and my head is just exploding, and I'm going, oh my god, what 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 is he talking about? Um, and then he shows me this, 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 this green gob, this, this ball of energy, this green ball of energy that's hanging in outer space. And, and he says, and, and that's, that's Keiko. That is the Keiko universe. And, uh, and, and that's your playground. That's your environment to work in. Um, so basically I'm starting with the green gob and I have to make something out of the green gob and, and, and figure out what that is. But uh, you know, the, the basic idea, you know, uh, whether it came from David or Joseph, they, Joseph will speak more to that, um, we're, we're, you know, but the, the, the infrastructure I was given was basically that um, there's this scripture uh, uh, that, 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 that teaches us that, uh, you know, that, that no man is, uh, you know, can see God, you know, that, um, that, that God in his purest uh, state um, is beyond human imagination or, or or ability to to understand. So if God actually spoke to us unfiltered, uh, that uh, we'd have a heart attack and die. We just you know we we just couldn't handle it. Um, so God would need to come in a different form. And so now you get the the, the Christian story of Jesus, where God assumes our uh, our ten fingers, ten toes. Uh, uh, and and comes in a way that we will understand and speaks to us. And even then, uh, he's speaking about this this kingdom of heaven, and he has to speak in parables because we're too stupid to understand what he's talking about. <laughs> so he has to go. Well, you know, let's say there's a garbage man, and the garbage man comes on Thursday. But what if you're out there on Tuesday? You know, so he's he's using parables to kind of explain these huge, immense concepts that would blow our mind. 
Okay, so now here's Keiko uh, and, and, and these other realms. There's, there's 10 realms altogether. So there's nine realms that sort of get to get along. That's like DC Comics. All the heroes get along. They all hold hands and sing and everybody likes everybody. And, you know, that, you know, that, you know, you know and, 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 and then there's this one rogue uh, universe that just doesn't play well with the other children. And that's Keiko. Um, uh, all these other universes have uh, the self-management tools where they have created, you know, some sort of uh, representative uh, with with which to uh, to sort of internally house how do have internal housekeeping and so forth. Keiko just exists in chaos uh, until Keiko learns the lesson that 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 you know uh, that it the Keiko universe uh, needs to do what the other universe is doing. So reluctantly, and this will this is the story that that appears in uh, Heavy Metal issue three eighteen, uh, and Joseph will tell you when that's on sale. Um, but uh, uh, this 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 universe, this Keiko universe, decides I must develop, you know, an avatar, a, a, a meridium of my own uh, uh, that can help uh, me uh, manage my my business. And uh, and those avatars, uh, uh, we decided, Joseph and I decided, they were called Crusaders. And there's been a series of Crusaders. There's been uh, uh, ten of them so far. Uh, so our series, uh, the Entropy series, is about the 11th in a series oh, of these Crusaders. Okay, okay. And they act like heralds to Galactus, if you want to use oh. that that comparison, where okay. they, they run around, you know, basically saying, you know, clean up your act or, you know, Keiko's going to smash you or whatever the story is. Um, and that's uh, uh, basically it. And Keiko, the reason why Keiko doesn't exist in harmony with the other universes is that the nature of, of, of how the Keiko universe was formed means it must always be in perpetual motion because if Keiko stops moving or stops processing energy or stops, if, if you imagine a, a wheel like the US economy, if the US economy, the wheel that represents the US economy, if it ever stopped turning, you know, then we'd all be in, in real trouble. Uh, so if Keiko stops moving, uh, then Keiko begins to lose energy. Uh, in other words, he suffers entropy, uh, the, which is which is which is the energy being drained from you because he can no longer sort of regenerate himself. Okay. So this is basically where that name comes from, and that's basically the the, the premise here, where we have an ordinary guy given extraordinary uh, powers and extraordinary responsibilities. And uh, it's it's a it's a story we've seen before in Silver Surfer and Green Lantern and things like that. The difference here is that heavy metal is not trying to sell you a lunchbox or they're not trying to give you an action figure, although action figures would be nice, I guess. Um, uh, but there are no guardrails. It's like, you know, Joseph's like, yeah, we, we want to tell that story, but we want to tell that story in a, in a more honest fashion, because uh, in most superhero comics uh you are charged with being protective of your main character so the so the bad guy can never be too bad you know yes black adam is an anti-hero he's not a villain anymore he's an anti-hero uh uh you know uh, same thing with you know with, with, where at the end of uh uh uh, uh not empire strikes back uh what was the what was the third uh star wars Return of the Jedi. Return of Jedi. Okay, so so then you see, 
you know, Darth Vader showing up as a hologram and he's there with, uh, uh, you know, with, with Luke's Luke's trainer there, you know, and the Ewoks are dancing and we're celebrating this Darth Vader guy. Yeah. Darth Vader killed a lot of people, you know? So I didn't buy that, you know, it was a nice happy (laughs) ending because they want to sell Darth Vader lunch boxes and they, they, okay. And at the end, Darth Vader became a nice guy and and, and he's hanging out with Obi-Wan Kenobi, but you know, uh, uh, you know, there's a turning, there's a tipping point. And when you have destroyed a planet or two, you've gone too far, my friend. You, my <laughs> friend, are a villain. I'm sorry. And you're not coming back. You know, so, so uh, you know, I had a lot of conversations with Joseph about this idea. And I said, well, yeah, but, you know, am I going to get grief from your bosses if we actually run this out to, like, its logical conclusion? If we actually told that classic story, but we didn't, we, 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 we didn't try to protect the character. If we just let the chips fall where they were, there's no, you know, re- there's no and, redemption arc here. No pulling exactly. punches. Yeah, no pulling a, punches. This is what this guy is. Well, the thing about it is he starts out as, as the thing about it is, you know, I don't, I don't think any, <laughs> I don't think anybody starts out necessarily bad. I, I think we all start as sort of blank slates, and our parents write on it and our environment writes on it and so forth like that. You know, but this is a story of every man. This is this is like a, you know, a Tom Hanks sort of character. He's an every man guy, you know, and it's the, it's the story, you know, where, you know, some mystic being comes out of nowhere and gives him incredible powers. You know, uh, it's just that we're not we're not screwing around in heavy metal. We're going to show you what that what would really happen to that guy. You know, and 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 I think it's just. It's been fun virtually from page one because I feel like uh, I feel like I'm drive, driving dad's car that there's <laughs> that, I, you know, I've been a Marvel writer and a DC writer and I love Marvel and I love DC, but Marvel and DC, they have to answer to their corporate bosses and they have to sell those lunch boxes and they have to be very protective of these characters. Heavy metals not screwing around. They're like, yeah. go for it. Yeah. And and that's what's really interesting about that. This is the same story, but told honestly <laughs> and and with no holes barred. And and just just brace yourself. That's all I can tell you. I mean, I think you get that reading the first issue. I mean, because we uh we at Cat let us read the first issue and we read it, yeah. and it's very much like you guys are telling a very different story here. A lot of the pieces feel similar. But this is a very different take on this. This is no like Norrin Rand kind of lamenting to, oh, I just want to be a good guy again. No, this is just like we're doing this and we're going for it all the way. And I respect that as as a storyteller, like you're taking big risks here and I really dig it. Well, I think the biggest risk is making the character unlikable. I don't I don't think he becomes unlikable, but I think the readers are going to have to tell us. Uh, but at some point you realize as we're going along, you know, what Joseph and I just talked about is we talked about playing off of reader expectations because readers have read this story a million times before. So they think they know where we're going. They think they know, you know, how this, how this plays out. Now, what we liked about say the series of uh, uh, breaking bad is how that went against viewer expectation. Because we thought we knew where that where the Walter White story was going. Yes. And and oh my God, no. 
<laughs> you know, and somewhere along the line, you find out that this guy, and pardon my language, you find out this guy is just an asshole. Yes. You know, yeah. now I'm not saying our guy is just an asshole, but if there is assholery in him, <laughs> uh, having this cosmic power is bound to bring it out at some point. So that's all I can tell you about, you know, the nuts and bolts of it. Um, but it, it's, 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 you know, uh, it's, it's a similar sort of ride where we go, all right, we, we know the readers expect us to do A, B, C, and D. And eventually this guy will, uh, will find, you know, like the Silver Surfer, he will, he will find uh, a truer meaning in heroism and in, 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 in defying Keiko because, you know, gosh darn it, that's what, that's what I, I'm supposed to do and I, I need to save lives or whatever like that. Okay, here's one guy defying an entire he's got an entire universe coming after you. i mean you know you know some of you listening to this maybe you have some bill collectors imagine an entire universe coming after you okay you know this is this is this is this is the kind of situation this guy is in I like the idea of playing with the theory of absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like, and I like leading into that. I mean, this guy. Not necessarily. You see, see, you might think that's the story too. Oh, mm -hmm. it's a story about him becoming corrupted by absolute power. Maybe, maybe not. You need to buy this book, kids. That's what I'm saying. All bets are off. I, I'm digging it. Now, when does this thing hit stores? That's a Joseph question. Joseph, when does this book hit stores? Hit stores. The first full week of July, so right after the Fourth of July holiday. Okay. I think it's on the sixth that okay, we're looking me, at. All right, let me grab so my calendar real quick. Right after the holiday is, you know, everyone's bellies are full, and then we're just gonna rip their guts apart with entropy, <laughs> and everything that they ate over the holiday is just gonna spill out on well, the floor. Well, here, here, here's the thing. Uh, uh, um. July when 6th. This, okay. Yeah. I was right. <laughs> when this book hits, uh, people are going to forget about Joseph and they're going to forget about me. And to some extent, they're going to forget completely about heavy metal. The only thing that will remind them of heavy metal is that as they're reading this comic, they'll be like, Ooh, there's naughty words in here and his boobies. <laughs> oh, heavy metal. That's right. Heavy metal. Okay. Um, Come on, man. You can't do that in front of Joseph. You're 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 taking like 40 years of publishing and just putting it into bad words and titties. Like if there's no, more listen, to heavy metal. <laughs> I'm, I'm a I'm a very humble guy and I'm very capable of self-deprecating humor. So I know where Priest is going with this, and I will definitely step back to what he's going to say. Well, no, no, going. You know, and, and, and believe me, I, I'm an ordained minister. So, you know, I, I would preach against, you know, cuss words and boobies. But the thing about it is if we're telling a story honestly, you know, and, 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 uh, and I go, well, in this environment, under these circumstances, this person would talk like this or, or, or have these kinds of experiences. So it, to me, it wasn't a gratuitous thing, but it was like, this, this is heavy metal. These, these are adult readers. These are adult comics. Um, and, and, and we are, uh, we are really exploring and, 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 uh, and, and building something without having the, the corporate overlords go, you can't do that. You can't go there. But the point I'm trying to make about, when the book goes on sale is once the book goes on sale, 
Um, I, I imagine that people will forget all about me and forget all about Joseph, forget all about heavy metal. They're going to be talking about a guy named Osvaldo Montos. Oh, the art's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. This guy. Uh, now, I remember like when I years and years ago when I was either just before I got into business or right around the time I got into business, Marvel got the license to some toy called the Micronauts. Oh, I love those things. And uh, they put out this series and they hired this guy that I had never heard be- heard of to draw this book. This guy named Michael Golden <laughs> uh, to draw this Micronauts thing. So I don't know how well the Micronauts sold. I, I didn't have access to sales figures. But my guess is if you wanted to buy that book now, Micronauts number one, an original copy of that, that you're going to really have to go in your pocket. You're going to spend a few bucks to yeah. get that book. You know, now who wrote it? I think it was Bill Mantlo. Do you know, Joseph, who wrote Micronauts? Yes, it was. Bill Mantlo. Look at that. You know, uh, and, and, you know, and, 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 and the thing is, it, you know, and Bill wrote a lot of great comics, but I'm, but see right now I'm reaching to figure out who wrote it. I know who drew it. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm talking about where, where I'm going to get run over by people going, who the hell is this Montos guy? Because this this art is off the chain, and uh, I don't know. And I'll I'll pitch it back over to Joseph. I don't know what rock he found this guy under. I don't know how he came across this guy. I don't know how he got so lucky. But not only is it gorgeous art, he is hands down maybe the fastest artist I've ever. I've been in this business forty years. I've never seen a guy draw a book this fast, and it comes in looking like this. It's unbelievable. He's pretty amazing. And so, you know, one of the things as an editor that depending upon what company you work at, if you're working on certain licenses, if you're working on Batman or Superman or things like that, because there's a necessity to put out a certain amount of content in any given year, you really have to put together creative teams with some kind of urgency. Yes. It took six months for me to find the right artist for Ender because I knew it was so important that we had to go all in on every level. And Luis Aramburu, who is the owner of the Butsido Agency, um, has been a friend of heavy metal. We've gotten some of our best artists from him. So he sent me Osvaldo's work. But at the time, I didn't have anything for him. And then three months later, he sent it back. And that's when I looked at it and I sent it to Priest. I was like, I sent an email. I think the email was titled, this guy, question mark. (laughs) And he got it. And I think he said back to me, like, hurry up and sign him up before someone steals him. That's cool. Right? And it was like, okay, let's go. Right? And go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were. Go ahead. Keep going. No, you know, so basically we brought him on. He was really excited. He wanted to do challenging material. He read the first script. He was like, I'm in. And so the first thing we did was character designs, right? Because even even if it's Superman and you've known Superman since you were a kid, you still, you should still like just get your, your feet wet sketching out Superman just so Kal-El is second nature. Mm-hmm. With an all new character, you get to 
build from the ground up. And so then you're kind of developing the relationship as the idea forms. So then once we had the three major characters, then it was like, okay, go, you know, it's off to the races. And so, you know, to speak to Priest's point, the reality is, you know, comic books are a medium that is reliant upon the art. So any given Wednesday, someone goes to a comic book store. There's 200 new comics to choose from, right? So the first thing you need is a cover that's going to break throughout all that noise. So we got Bjorn Berens, who's just an amazing illustrator. The guy's working with Todd McFarlane on King Spawn. That says it for me, right? So once you have the cover, someone's going to open the book. you got to get them in three pages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me interrupt for one second. Usually you have like the great artist on the cover and you open the book and you go, oh, uh, yeah. not, not this book, exactly. not this book. Exactly, because we're talking about the collectible market in which you get a cover artist just so people can get that. And unfortunately, they may not even care what's inside. They'll be like, yes. oh, I have a Stanley Archer Lau cover. Cool. I'm done here. Right. But we're actually interested in readers. Yes. We're actually interested in art aficionados, right? So you open this book and the art is beautiful and you're, and you're getting it, right? If you decide not to get it, I feel sorry for you. You're losing out on the found- <laughs> you know, I, I, I wrote this panel. Uh, let, let me break in here for a second. I wrote this panel where like, okay, the mailman is walking his dog, right? You know, and I'm like, okay, mailman walking a dog, okay? This this is crazy, man. This Montos idiot. He puts his camera under the dog, right? You know, and, I mean the most the most difficult angle that he could possibly come up with. And the dog has got his tongue hanging out. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what's wrong? You know, issue number two. I, I wrote this description of this snot world. It's a world of snot. Okay, so <laughs> it has this architecture, and it's inside this vicious, vis- vicious uh, uh, environment. That's like uh, 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 shrimp with lobster sauce. Imagine that, okay? okay. And that's the atmosphere <laughs> in this world, okay? Um, and all the architecture is sideways. So, yeah. you know, for the first five pages, Entropy thinks that he's standing straight up, but he's actually standing sideways nice. until he meets this other crusader, this other character. And the other character is, is, is standing sort of perpendicular to him. And, and he keeps going, would you at least stop standing sideways? And she goes, I'm not standing sideways. You're standing sideways. <laughs> and then you realize that all the buildings, all the architecture is laid on its side. It's the most weird, you know, I was pulling my hair out trying to create this world, right? So I send uh, Montos this script. And, and the, the description of this city is like a full sheet of small, typewritten, single-spaced, you know, and it's incredibly, you know, and this guy, he doesn't, you know, I, I, I don't think he speaks English. OK, <laughs> um, so I so I sent it into Joseph and I, I, I don't know if I actually said it out loud or not, but in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, good luck with this. This guy's never he's not going to get this. You know, I, I'll take what I can get. I'll take whatever part of this I can get. So the pages come in and, and Joseph emails me these pages 
and I open the file and I just go, <gasps> I, I literally just, I just, Oh my God. And, and, and not only did he get it right, but this, this, this idiot, he's drawing every window and every little like, you know, crustacean inside the window frame of every, and there's like thousands of windows and the architecture, this guy loves architecture. You know, yeah. and it's just the most gorgeous stuff. And then he has the 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 the, the people who live there, the Snodians, right? The Snodians, you know, and they're <laughs> running around doing their snot thing, you know. And I'm going, oh my God, this guy is unbelievable. No one will care that I wrote the book. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Now, do you find yourself writing st- like scenes and and characters just and just trying to get out of his way and let him have as much fun as he can? Yeah, well, see, it's a two-stage rocket, okay? So stage one was me asking Joseph a thousand questions about his bosses because I don't know these people. Okay. And I don't know, are they going to step in and interfere and and bother me? And am I going to get all these notes back? <laughs> okay, because, it, you know, I, I don't have time for this, okay? And, and once I really, you know, he assured me. You just said, I don't have time for notes. That's wonderful. Like, I'm no, so it's not, it's, no, I don't have time for stupid notes. I just, I just don't. You know, and, 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 you know, you're asking me to do something and, and I'm like, well, you know, are, are they serious about this or, you know, do I have to make this really safe and, and everybody has to be, do we have to have the Ewoks dancing at the end of the story? Mm-hmm. You know, and once, so once I got re- clear of that, that was the first stage. The second stage was finding the artist. Okay. And once I saw what this guy could do, then we're off to the races. Cause I go, I can throw anything at him. I can throw, I could, I could throw anything at him. I could, I could just throw, you know, incredible uh, environments, incredible aliens, you know, uh, and, and uh, like I'm working with this guy, uh, Ergon Gundus, and he draws a lot of my Vampirella stuff. Uh, and we took Vampirella back to her home world. Um, and until we took Vampirella off of the earth and back to Draculon, I didn't realize the full scope and scale of what Ergon could do. So we got back to the alien planet and he started drawing all these alien vistas and these conceptual things. And it started to look a lot like Richard Corbin in some ways, very, very out there inspired stuff. And he does a lot of airbrushing and uh, uh, wonderful artists. But once I saw that, you know, I called up Dynamite and said, you know, we have to do a series set there. And we're doing that now with the with the Vampirella year one. So I'm not I'm not trying to segue, but we're, we're doing that now with that. Uh, and the point I'm trying to make is that once I saw what the artist could do, I would write to that uh, to that strength. And with Ergon, I would, you know, you know, I would just say, OK, so an issue number two of, of Vampirella year one, you know, 10 year old Vampirella, she steals a cow and smuggles it to the surface world on the subway. So she has to, I said, we have to, I said, Ergon, I need you to, to, to design a vampire cow. Good luck to you. Okay. Uh, and now we have to stuff this cow into a subway train and Vampirella steals the subway and drives the cow to the surface world because she's trying to feed hungry kids on the surface world, you know? And I just wrote that and I went to sleep. I just said, I don't know what he's going to do, but it's going to be great. <laughs> and that's how I felt about Montos. I said, you know what? Once I realized what this guy could do, in entropy. And once I realized that the heavy metal bosses are not going to yell at Joseph, you know, <laughs> if we get out, if we get too far out there, then I was like, Katie, bar the door. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, clackety, 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 and then this, and then that. And it's the most ridiculous 
you know, how far can I go before I get the phone call? Okay, that's that, that's really too far. Thank you. That's Thank wonderful. You that's wonderful. Because again, yeah. and let the let the let the big wigs and let the readers decide what's too far. And you just keep going, Priest. Just keep take go anywhere your imagination takes you. And it sounds like you're really enjoying this gig. I really enjoyed the first issue. I think everyone out there listening to this will enjoy the first issue. It hits stores July sixth. Heavy metal magazine. It's uh, it's called Entropy. It's going to be a fantastic thing. This is an ongoing, yes, or is this a limited series? What are we looking at here? Limited. Okay. Five issues. Okay. For this story. Okay. And so, and, and my question was, in the greater heavy metal universe, like that you're building here, like um, does the does the Entropy universe touch bases with any of the other universes in this story that that are just going to connect? You know, um, go, go ahead, Joseph. No, no, you. No, I was going to just say real quickly that at least in the editorial, uh, in the story, in the narrative, we hint at it, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, and we and we leave the door open as we're leaving this series. Uh, we leave the door open uh, uh, because uh, uh, there we have obviously discussed where we go from here, but a lot of that depends on if this if this series finds an audience and then. Uh, there are other books that are connected to this uh, multiverse that they're developing that are being developed at the same time. So we are, you know, let's see how this goes and then let's see where it fits. But uh, the answer is definitely maybe. How's that? That's fantastic. I love it. Definitely maybe. Yeah. And when you look at the story, the prelude story in Heavy Metal 318, that at least gives you a sense of how this all started, right? So it actually mm-hmm. takes place thousands of years before entropy number one, but it gives you the beginning of a roadmap and makes some serious implications to where this could go. Okay. I love yeah, it I- also sets up the, 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 the multiverse. It, 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 it also sort of this diagrams the multiverse as well. Uh, and and Montos drew that story as well, and, uh, and and you you get just the smallest taste of what I'm talking about in terms of the architecture and the world building and 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 just the, the incredible talents that this 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 person has, and uh, uh, and just what a treat it is to work with him. Okay, so the fun starts in Heavy Metal Magazine issue 318. The series comes out on the 6th of July, right after the fireworks, you'll go to your comic shop, you'll buy this book and the fireworks will continue. No, your face will get cosmically melted. That's what will happen. That's that's basically what's going to happen. There is going to be some melting and some glowing. I love it. I love it. Guys, thank you both so much for coming on. We greatly appreciate you appearing on Word Bros. Are you guys doing any shows, any cons coming up that maybe we could see you at? You're gonna be out and about? Uh, nothing that I can announce right now. Okay. Uh, but uh, stay tuned. I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll announce something at some point. And when? Where could we find you online if we wanted to stay tuned to all news, priest? Where could we hit you up? <laughs> oh, that's a real good question. Uh, you know, I, I have a website. It's ChristopherPriest.com. Okay. I almost never go there, so okay. it's, right. it's really out of date. All right. I will try to update it at some point. Now, how out of date are we talking? Like, are we talking like? You, when's the last time you think you logged into your own website and did anything on it? Oh, man, I think George Bush was still president. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's been a while. Which one? The dad That's, or the son? Right? <laughs> yeah. but, it's been a bit. 
Priest has almost no digital footprint, which is awesome. Really? And definitely, definitely legend material. Yeah. Definitely speaks to the Howard Hughes yeah. thing that we spoke about. Yeah, that's um, total recluse behavior. You got to be online, baby. You no, got to let people no, know what's happening. No, he's, he's too busy writing. He's I'm afraid of being killed. I used to be really opinionated about like the Iraq war and so forth uh, and that uh, sort of thing. You know, and nowadays, uh, uh, if I got online and said, you know, the sky is blue, I would be attacked for that. You know, and 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 it's not enough for people to say I disagree with you. They have to they have to insult you to say I disagree with you and your mother's ugly. And you, you know? smell and, funny. Yeah. And I just don't yeah. need that in yeah. my life. I'm, I'm too old for that. You know, so, maybe so, in the next life. So you're just an old curmudgeon waking up early in the morning, riding your bike, and getting home before it gets too hot outside. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That sounds like a dream I mean, existence, though. If I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. You, you've just but, uh, described what Bobby wants to do when in 20 years. Yeah. Like if I could do that, write a book about that how to grow old and be an old curmudgeon and ride your bike around that's the yeah. book i want to read tell me how to do that i i, well, I think i think the online shaming our 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 our, <laughs> our our common denominator joseph and i are, are, are is denny o'neill uh the late denny o'neill and denny was was really like one of my dads in this business uh and i loved him uh, a great deal uh, a very close and personal friend um, but yeah, if anything, De Denny showed me how to uh, grow old uh, gracefully and curmudgeonly, and, uh, <laughs> and 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 I learned a lot of that from him. Uh, I hope that at the, at the end of the day, that I could be, you know, a tenth of the writer and a tenth of the editor that he was. That's a really great That's way awesome. to end. And uh, Joseph, are you, uh, where can we find you online? Do you have a digital footprint, or are you just your way exact, too? I'm the exact opposite. Of I am totally exposed <laughs> online and just making myself vulnerable to attacks and assaults on my opinion, which is why I don't talk about Star Wars. <laughs> you let so, Priest handle all that. Stupid Ewoks. Right, exactly. <laughs> Stupid Ewoks. I've never yes. met someone who hated the Ewoks as much as you do. You drove it home three separate times during this interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Wow. There's a note to end on. So, I'm Joe Illage on Facebook, Joseph P. Illage on Twitter, and Illmaster1 on Instagram. Because ah, I had to that, up a bit. That's, that's the best one. one. That's the best one. How did you come one. up with Illmaster1? If you're going to have an IG handle, you got to shake it up a bit. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's where so that's where I can be found. And I'm a pretty cool conversationalist. And this week has been entropy week, so that's all that you've basically been seeing. There you go. Hey. All right, and well, heavy metal because I know Heroes is coming up. Is heavy metal going to have any presence at Heroes? Are you guys doing anything there? I can tell you that we will be okay. So Heroes Con, if they're going there, they left me off the list, which is not impossible because I shouldn't be on every. But they put me on the San Diego list. That may have been a tactical error, but it's too late. Okay. Well, cool. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm going. All right. Well, that sounds, hey, that sounds like a wonderful weekend. So uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. We greatly appreciate it. The book comes out uh, at Heavy Metal Magazine 318. You want to get that one first so you can get the, the whole story, and then you can pick up the book that comes out July 6th. Thank you guys so much for coming on. We greatly appreciate it.
Thank you, guys. We appreciate you having us. I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Anytime. 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 You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.